Vince Pacho is pleased to bring you Whiskey Westerns on Wednesday, direct from Dodge City, Kansas, featuring rich topics on the legends of the Old West. Whiskey to motivate. Westerns to inspire. Get it. Play it. Drink it. Hello, my name is Mike King, and we would like to welcome you to Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday. My name is Brad Smalley, and like always, we're going to sit here, drink a little bit of whiskey, and talk about one of the legends of Dodge City. And Brad, what is your choice of whiskey for this evening? Well, it's been a while since we did an Irish, so I thought it was time. We're going to do... Jameson Caskmates. Oh yeah, heard a lot of good things about Jameson. Oh, it's just—it's a wonderful whiskey. Okay, there's something about an Irish whiskey that it's not the kind of whiskey that's gonna pick a fight with you. It's gonna become your best friend. All right. It, well, I'm looking for a best friend tonight. Oh, and it's, it's just pretty as regular Jameson is. Mm -hmm. uh, they have some other additions. Well, that are just, yeah. just fantastic. You notice I poured this a little bit heavier than I usually do. Mm -hmm. Because it's just that good. Um, now the cask mates, what this is, it's standard standard Jameson. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, 40%. Uh, but there was a local brewer there in uh, Cork, in Cork, Ireland. Uh, Franciscan Well Brewery. Okay. And one of the brewers there went to Jameson and said let's get together and let's make something awesome. So what they did is they borrowed casks from Jameson to age their stout beer in. Gotcha. And then in return they gave those barrels back to Jameson who then aged another run of whiskey in those whiskey then stout then whiskey barrels again. So they picked up a lot of that stout beer flavor. Mm. And the whiskey in result, it's quite a bit darker than regular Jameson. It's right. got that stout coloring right. uh, from these heavily aged barrels. Uh, and it's, I, I've never been able to decide if it's like drinking a whiskey with beer or like drinking a beer with whiskey. <laughs> Either way, it's just, it's just delightful. It's got that standard Jameson Jameson on the nose, a little bit of caramel the there. Sweet, yeah. A little kind of floral. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're really getting a lot of that oak as yeah. well. That oak and the, uh, the caramel vanilla from the stout, a little bit of coffee. Any vanilla or chocolate in there? Now I get chocolate on the taste, but mm -hmm. I've never really got chocolate on the, oh, on the nose. It is. That just, That's smooth. Oh, it's just Very creamy. Mm -hmm. and yeah. It everything that's great about your Jameson Irish whiskey or Irish whiskey in general, uh, plus a good stout beer, which it's really sweet. For me, there's nothing better. It's very sweet. Mm -hmm. uh, sweet, creamy. This is an all-day sipper. I would agree. Don't mix this with anything. Don't put any ice in it. 
Just drink it's, it? Well, it's 40%. You water this down and it's just going to disappear, right. yeah. even with that stout to back it up. But it's well, just a wonderful whiskey. What would you say uh, on your rating for this one, Brad? I'd give that a 4.5. 4.5. Okay, so. Which for as much as I like Irish whiskey, mm -hmm. that's still a pretty high rating for me. I agree. Uh, because again, most of the time when I drink whiskey, I want something that's gonna challenge me a little bit. So if you can kind of give us some background about this, uh, the legend that we'll be talking about tonight. Well, we should probably first mention her name. We're talking about the uh, wonderful, talented, one and only Miss Dora Hand. That is correct. Uh, which is today how most people know her. Uh, her, her stage name that she performed under was uh, Fanny Keenan, uh, which much better than the name she was born under, uh, which I believe was May uh, I Isidore Addie May. Right, Isidore. Yeah, Addie Isidore May. Addie May. Not the most stage sounding of names. I'm a lot more inclined to go see a Fanny Canaan than an Isidore. Right, and and she was very talented was like at a young age. Uh, evidently, she had a wonderful gift for music from her, her earliest years. Right. Uh, her parents saw this and uh, they enrolled her in, in musical education. Uh, she went quite far, wound up going to Europe to, uh, to finish her education. She in Germany, toured, actually, wasn't uh, it? Germany. Yeah, Germany. she toured with an operatic group in Germany. Uh, came back to the United States, States right. and by all accounts could have played any venue of her choosing but like many entertainers of the day they saw the need uh, the, the pressing need that was very well advertised back east uh, many venues west of the mississippi were begging for entertainment mm -hmm. uh, flyers all over the east boston new york places like this where they knew chicago or they knew some of these entertainers were please come out to the west well, uh, Isidore, or Fanny, came by this point, decided that the uh, the itinerant roadster entertainer was was the life for her, and she apparently loved it. And she ended up in Kansas City. She did. Uh, she got married to a Theodore Hand, which is where her uh, the last name, new last, last name, name right. uh, came in, came into play. Uh, Theodore was a bit of a drunk. Uh, and uh, a gambler. And a gambler. Uh, and you could call him a card. And a captain uh, in the military. He was. And traveled a lot. Quite and a left, bit. And left her at home uh, uh, by herself. Well, not uncommon at that point, especially right. for well, military wives or sadly used to being on their own. And Dora had her own life. She yeah, was yeah. But did she, never... she, she quit this life of entertainment during this time of marriage. She tried to be a wife. And and stayed home, stayed mm -hmm. home uh, wife. Mm -hmm. Which I have only ever understood, I guess just, this is probably me projecting mm -hmm. on Dora, which sadly, when it comes to uh, Dora, the Dora Hand story, there's a lot of that. Yeah, uh, we we do sort of have to fill in a lot of the gaps uh, because there's there's holes in there that we we just don't know. Exactly. Um, what we do know is that married life graded on her, uh, either the separation or knowing that she she was could be fully independent mm -hmm. without him. She'd had a successful career already. She'd go back to it at any moment. 
uh, and with her husband being the car that he was, it it probably took longer than it should have before uh, she wound up filing for divorce. She realized that it wasn't a match to be made, and and she had desires to do other things. Right. They they and moved the, west uh, it, from Kansas City, wound up right. in Hayes. Hayes City. That is correct. Uh, I've forgotten about that. She had gone to Hayes. Mm -hmm. uh, they were stationed there. Uh, so often um, people did. Hayes City at the time was, and we've mentioned it before on this show, uh, even before Dodge Dodge City was Dodge, uh, Hayes was one of the wickedest places in Kansas. You had Abilene, Ellsworth, Hayes, and then eventually Dodge. Uh, and of course with the very strong military presence that Fort Hayes had, uh, it's also where the United States Marshal was based out of Hayes for many years. And and this is in the year, what, 1872? 71, 72. Yeah. So it's the early beginnings of Dodge City really wasn't there. But but Hayes oh, right. and Hayes City and Fort Hayes was well established about that. Oh, very well. Very well. Yeah, yeah Hayes was founded in 1867, so it was excuse me, significantly older than Dodge City. Uh, that's where everybody was. Yeah, uh, right. We've got several... Dodge City legends that started out in Hayes as well. A lot of them did, in fact, yeah. And uh, eventually she, I think it was Hayes where she finally left uh, Captain Hand. Right. He, she had enough of his, his drinking, his gambling, and there at Fort Hayes was just as bad as Fort Dodge in the early, early years. Uh, she had enough and left, went back to her life as an entertainer. Uh, yeah. Did quite well at it. Uh, before we get started on this week's Legend of Dodge City, I would like to introduce our guest uh, for tonight's show, Mrs. Callie Lyons. Uh, welcome to the show, Callie. What made you decide to write a book about the murder of Dora Hand? Well, I grew up in Dodge City and spent my teenage summers working at Boot Hill Museum. That's when I first became aware of Dora Hand's story and so many others about the legends of Dodge City. All these years later, I wanted to tell the story from a different perspective. So I wrote The Short Fantastic Life of a Saloon Girl, which is the story of the murder of Dora Hand in Dodge City in 1878. For most of the last 20 years, I've been a journalist and a nonfiction author, this is my first foray into the world of historical fiction. But of course, the newspaper articles of the day helped me to piece this story together. As you know, Dora was accidentally killed as she slept. The shooter intended the bullet for somebody else. A legendary posse was convened to pursue the killer. This posse included no less than Bat Masterson, Wyatt Earp, Charlie Bassett, Bill Tillman, and Bill Duffy. So, obviously, Dora Hand wasn't just any entertainer or saloon girl. Dora was engaged to Mayor Dog Kelly, who was the killer's intended target. As it happened, Dog was away at Fort Dodge seeking medical treatment. Dora was staying in his cabin with a friend and a fellow entertainer. Dora was known for her kindness. More than anything, though, she was known for her voice. Dora sang in the saloons, in dance halls by night, and in church on Sunday. This lovely creature was poised to become the First Lady of Dodge when her life was ended by a bullet from the gun of Spike Kennedy, a young Texas cowboy whose father 
was a cattle baron. This is obviously a work of fiction, but how close do you think you came to what really happened to Dora? It's pretty close. The book is based on real events, and all of the major players are real Dodge City legends. However, I've had some fun with the story. People from Dodge City, and especially those who worked at Boot Hill Museum in the 80s, will notice a few Easter eggs scattered throughout the book. In this telling of the story, you'll find an emphasis on the women who were there and the way they lived. Not just Dora, but Maddie and Bessie Earp, and especially Kate Holliday. Or that's the name she was going by in Dodge in 1878. I think the woman we call Big Nose Kate is my favorite character of the bunch. Not only was she Doc Holliday's companion for a period of time, she was a serious match for him intellectually. This fascinates me. All of these women are really very interesting in their own right. There are so many stories about the men, but their women were amazing characters with stories of their own to tell. My name is Koji. And I'm Michelle. And this is the Japanese America Podcast. So this is where we look at all things Japanese American. We will bring alive the history, culture, and people that make up this diverse community. In this month's episode, we'll examine Koji's unique family history. To help bring this story alive, we brought on actor and comedian Derek Mew. He was reported to be extremely pro-Japanese and anti-American in sentiment. Her husband was taken into custody by the military authorities under a warrant authorized by the Secretary of War. Who was his enemy of the United States? He was my grandfather on my dad's side. To hear more stories about Japanese America, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you normally download your podcast. Well, what do you see is next uh, in your ventures as a writer of fiction of uh, the life of the saloon girls? This book is the first in a series of saloon girl westerns, as I like to call them. Western tales told from a woman's perspective, more specifically, from a saloon girl's perspective. The next book is about Fanny Gerritsen, who, as it turns out, is the survivor in the story of Dora Hand. Fanny was the girl in the other bed in Dog's Cabin on the night Dora was murdered. This woman was scandalous, as you'll see. You can find this book on Amazon or by following my author page at CallieJLyons.com. Thank you for letting me join you. Now, when Dora Han arrived in Dodge City, Brad, she was uh, with her good friend and housekeeper, Fanny Garrison. Uh, what was Dodge City like in 1878? In 1878, you were approaching the high watermark of the cattle trade. Uh, Dodge was on very much at its peak. 1878 was an incredible year. We could do a podcast every day for a month just, just talking about the year 1878 right. and everything that happened. Uh, Dora arrived in Dodge City the fall of that year which was kind of the start of the entertainment season. Uh, the cattle drives were starting to wind down. Um, the city is still full to capacity. And there's, there's just, money is flowing like whiskey and water. 
So what, what entertainment establishments were available for the Cowboys to uh, visit and where she might have uh, been a part of? Well, the two big ones, uh, you could argue that, that many of the saloons uh, had stages in them and were entertainment venues in their own right, uh, including the dance halls and such. But the two big theaters mm -hmm. were the Comique, Okay. And then Hambell's uh, Varieties Theater. Right. Which was was a wonderful venue and even as much as everyone liked Hambell, it it couldn't keep up with the Comique. The Comique right. was the place to go. It was the place to be seen. So what side of the street would that have been on? Would that have been on the south side? Oh, both on the south. Both on the south. Both on the south. Okay. Uh, for a for a woman to entertain in any kind of venue, she could really only legally do it on the south okay. side of the railroad tracks gotcha. without being branded old. Okay. And so, you know, there really, uh, that I have uh, found is that there's really no photographs of the Comique Theater that I know of. Maybe there does exist some, but I don't know of any. Uh, we have... We have some very good descriptions okay. of it uh, as far as it was a two-story building. Uh, there were rooms on the second story. Uh, Eddie Foy, in his biography, uh, gave uh, some some very good descriptions of the Comique. But as far as photographs, I don't think that there are any. Now, there is a good photograph of Ham Bell's variety. Of the varieties you can see in several photographs, right. yes. And, uh, uh, and there's one picture where where the Kamek would have stood, it just out of frame. Yeah. Just out of frame, but we... If there is a photograph, I haven't been able to I find it. We haven't seen it either, but... Uh, anyway, uh, so at the Kamek, what kind of entertainment would be going on there? Oh, they had the best. Uh, comedy, song and dance, singing, opera, uh, magic shows. Jugglers? Uh, jugglers. The For a couple of years, uh, Eddie Foy and his partner Jimmy Thompson were the headliners right. of the show. Uh, and again, I, I ha Mike, have you ever read Eddie Foy's biography? No, I have not. Get a hold of that. There are just some delightful descriptions of his his first impressions in Dodge City. But uh, Foy, Thompson were just the darlings of Dodge City. Uh, Doc Holliday is known to hardly ever miss a performance when, when Foy and Thompson were playing. Uh, Dora Hand was engaged there uh, for the fall of 1878, as was another at the time, apparently very well-known actress. Uh, was it Hattie something? Yes, Hattie. And I All I can think of is Hattie McDaniel, but that uh, wasn't her. Yeah, but you're, you're right. Hattie was, was a, a famous actor. Mm -hmm. Now, these shows went on all night long. All night long. Uh, and so they had... Oh, Dodge's business hours were 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Right. That's when the saloons closed. And so they had entertainers lined up all evening. All night long. And then during the daytime, then of course the entertainers would rest and mm -hmm. uh, and then come back at night and, right. and uh, entertain. Now, there were some things that happened uh, during the time that Dora Hand was in Dodge City in 1878, and it dealt with two prominent figures. Uh, one of them was 
Dog Kelly, which mm -hmm. was the mayor. City mayor. The city mayor. And another guy by the name of, his nickname was Spike Kennedy. Spike Kennedy. And he was, and we talked about him on our last show, about mm -hmm. how he got into a squabble with with uh, Prent Olive. Right. But he's in Dodge City at the time. He really adores Dora. In fact, he has this image of her. Who of, didn't? Of sure, and 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 the, this image that he's gonna walk into the uh, the Kamik, uh and he is going to take her away, marry her, and take her back to the ranch because he was very his father was a very rich and prominent rancher. incredibly wealthy. Yes, right. uh, Kennedy one N. By the way, uh, not the two like the the Boston Kennedys. Uh, but Mifflin Kennedy, his father, was partners with uh, Richard King of the King Ranch. The King Ranch, right, in Texas. Uh, in Texas, South Texas, uh, King County, Kingsville. Uh, one of the biggest cattle operations in the state. Right. Uh, incredibly wealthy, uh, financially powerful. They could throw their weight around, often did. And brought a lot of cattle to Dodge City, so oh, yes. they were treated very well. Oh yes, when they when they arrived. Oh yes, their money bought them the prestige, as it does today. That's true. And earlier you said uh, two prominent uh, figures. I would argue that a little bit. You had one prominent figure, as in Dog Kelly, and one spoiled brat jerk. Okay. Well, if we want to coin Kennedy as a small bat jerk, I would have to agree with you. He, and his entire history, that's what he was. Yeah. So we, yeah. we talked about the altercation with Prince Olive. Right. It, it's a wonder that his, his mouth and his temper and his actions didn't get him killed before he did. And now, he, he also brought a lot of guns with him. He did. He'd he, been arrested in Dodge City a couple of times earlier in the year. Uh, once by James Earp. Right. Uh, James arrested him, which we actually didn't know for many years. That story had always that, that he was arrested by at least one of the Earp brothers that we knew. Uh, but recently, uh, recently, seven, eight years ago now, uh, a missing piece of the Dodge City police docket, which had been stolen uh, at some point in the past, was recovered. And we now have a lot of the the documentation for arrests and such in lawmen and, and events that had always been apocryphal right. at this point. But we now have documentation yeah. uh, that they were. Yeah. He was arrested by James Earp, Wyatt's older yeah. brother. Now Kennedy and Dog Kelly already had a beef going between the two of them. They did, and then <clears throat> Dog Kelly started admiring Do uh, Dora Hand because uh, he he really admired her and so did Kennedy mm -hmm. but there was already a wedge between them the two just butt heads yeah after that uh, for at the drop of a hat so one night it just became a permanent grudge between the two so one night uh, Kennedy is moving in on Dora Hand oh he's in love with her and Dog Kelly is in the same saloon, mm -hmm. and well, it was Kelly's saloon, right? The Alhambra, uh, correct. And so he goes in. He's going to make his move, mm -hmm. and what happens? Well, Kelly was. I, I don't 
know that Kelly was necessarily in love with Dora, at least no more so than anyone was. Okay. But he was, he was the protective sort. Uh, Kelly, for all of his boisterousness and his uh, dedication to keeping Dodge City open and, and wild and woolly, he was also a very generous, kind man. He was known to, if you went broke in his saloon, he'd give you a few dollars, tie you over back. for the night, get you a bath, shave, place to sleep, <laughs> whatever's left, come back the next night and spend that here. Right. That's the kind of guy he was. Right. Uh, so much so that while living in Dodge City, Kelly had rented out the back room of his his small house behind the theater to Dora and Fanny Keenan. Okay. Uh, or Fanny Garrison. Sorry, right. both Fannies were were staying with him. So he had the protective instinct kind of took over uh, for Kelly, uh, especially when he saw that you know the spoiled brat moving in. He know you clearly don't deserve this lustrous creature. Mm -hmm. And, and had enough. Uh, Kennedy is already fuming by uh, most accounts. He was in the saloon also uh, getting she, getting drunk. And she doesn't want to have anything to do with him. No, because all he's doing is complaining about how all the Dodge City law enforcement is picking on him. Right, right. Well, Kelly is the mayor who's appointed all these Dodge City right. law enforcement. Kelly calls him out on his crap. <laughs> Kennedy has is, uh, has words with Kelly, and it's about to come to blows. And Dog Kelly, who's though he's getting on in years, he's still a powerful man. He picks Kennedy up, scruffs his neck, seat of his pants, and throws him out the front door of the saloon. And that is more than his young idiot pride can take. Right. And so he's not too happy now. Uh, Kennedy's not. He got showed up in he, front of his girl. Right, and he's out on the street. So that, now there's a second conflict that happens What in the legend is that Kennedy kind of stakes out Dog Kelly mm -hmm. and actually goes to his house, knocks on his door, gets Kelly out of the bed, and they have a confrontation right there at the front door. Mm -hmm. Talk us, tell us a little bit about that confrontation and what happened there. Well, he he made it known, uh, and he had already made it known across town that he was he was out to get Kelly. I mean, there was right. uh, his pride was wounded. Don't you know who my daddy is? And it, he finally told Kelly the same thing. He said, "You're you're in for it, and I'm going to get you." Kelly was having none of it. He dismissed it. And that dismissal just sent Kennedy into a rage. And the legend goes that while he's at the front door, he's looking through the house and he sees the bedroom, Kelly's bedroom. Uh, it's only two bedrooms, yeah. And he then begins to plot how he is going to take care of Kenny, uh, mm -hmm. Kelly. So then there's a time in there where it said that he left Dodge City and he went back to Kansas City. Went to Kansas City and bought a racehorse. And, and so now everything's all set up. He's mm -hmm. got the racehorse, he's put it in the stables, 
uh, it's October, uh, and all of these incidences happen somewhere in September. Mm -hmm. So he leaves Dodge City, goes and gets a racehorse, brings it back to the stables, and his plot is now in, in played out. Mm -hmm. So what happens next? A Little Bit De Todo is a podcast about a little bit of everything for curious minds of all ages. I'm Christina, and you can tune in every weekday to learn about things like Cinco de Mayo, Chihuahuas, and volcanoes in Latin America. Episodes are bite-sized, 10 minutes long or less, and always Latin American related. Subscribe and follow A Little Bit De Todo podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The, it's October the 3rd. The, the night of October the 3rd. Uh, he gets a hold of a bottle of Jameson Castmates. <laughs> and well, pour me a little bit more of that, well, okay. And he... He's had too he, much Jameson. He starts to brag. Okay. Uh, he, again, he's got his liquid courage all built up. Again, he starts spouting off about how Kelly's gonna pay, Dodge City Law's gonna pay, uh, how dare you, I've had enough of this, just, and people are hearing this. He's bragging about it. He's bragging loudly, because in his mind, no one can touch him. Right. Uh, they've never been able to so far. Any trouble that he's ever gotten in, he either got lucky and got out of it, or daddy's money has paid him off. He's always got it now of every... Every scrape he's, he's been, been in. in. Right. Uh, and there's no reason for him to believe that he he won't get away with murder in this instance. Right. When he finally got himself worked up enough, uh, it was dark hours of the morning, and he rode past Kelly's house on that racehorse, mm -hmm. full tilt, knowing he was going to have to get out as quick as he could, he fired four shots through Kelly's bedroom door. Yeah. As you say, he'd stake the house. And so he's thinking he is shooting... He's intending to shoot Kelly in his bed, in his sleep, cold-blooded murder, and right off into the night. Right. But instead... What he did not know is that the evening before, Kelly uh, was suffering from some sort of intestinal malady, stomach issue, we don't really know. But Kelly did not get along with uh, the, doc the doctor in Dodge City. City. But he was on very good terms with the post-surgeon out at Fort Dodge, right. Dr. Tremaine, being the military man that he was. Right. So he went out to Fort Dodge to see Dr. Tremaine, spent the night there. Now, Dora and Fanny, the Fanny, Fanny right. King, Dora Hand and Fanny Garrison, who were had been sharing a bed in the back room of Kelly's house, took the opportunity, Dog may have offered it himself, why don't you move up, take my right. While I'm gone. While I'm, yes, I Dora, won't be here, please make Dora, yourself you, at home. You sleep in my bed and... Fanny, Fanny Garrison remains in the bed in the back room. Dora Hand is sleeping in Kelly's bed. Right. Kennedy didn't know that. And in thinking that he was going to kill Dog Kelly, he accidentally killed the object of his affections uh, and the object of all of Dodge City's affections. After her death, Kelly was never known to be seen in public with another woman. Right. 
Uh, and whether he was really in love with her or not, certainly her death hit him very hard. But it hit all of Dodge City hard. Yeah, it, it was a dark oh, she, day. In, the in, queen of the fairy bells, yeah. Dodge City loved because her. She, she not only did things, uh, was a, a wonderful singer and entertainer, and uh, the cowboys uh, loved to watch her, but she would do things uh, for the community as well. She, she was, was very community-minded. She would do things uh, she, in, in, the, in the church on uh, Sundays. She would sing in church. She uh, apparently, with the, the money that she earned playing at the comique, uh, she was also, by the way, performing in Handel's Varieties right. for nothing. Right. Uh, just a charity benefit performance. Ch that's right. The, the kind of woman that she was, she donated an organ to the Union Church right. in Dodge City. Uh, so there was we, a lot of things, know. A lot yeah, of things that, that happened now. So Dodge City really takes her death hard. Oh, absolutely. But still, after the event, they really don't know. There's, there's still a big mystery about who really did the shooting because nobody was there to see it. Mm -hmm. uh, both, uh, both ladies were asleep when the shots rang through the house. Uh, Fanny woke up in bed screaming. Uh, the, and, and Dora was, uh, by all accounts, killed instantly. Right. Uh, Bat Masterson, who was then county sheriff. We don't give some of these lawmen at the time credit for, for their investigative right. skills. Right that they had. Right. Um, we really don't. And, and this is the perfect opportunity to uh, to talk about that. Sheriff Bat Masterson conducted the investigation. Uh, he read the bullet holes, conducted the forensic evidence, you said it perfectly, uh, figured out where the shots had gone, what went into the wall. What the bullet were. that killed right. uh, Dora, it had bounced off, ricochet off the bed frame and went in kind of under Dora's arm and punctured her heart, killed her instantly. Right. Uh, she never even woke up. Uh, but after the shots, yes, Fanny Garrison woke up screaming. Uh, it was still early enough in the night that the, the law was still out on patrol. I think it was uh, Jim Masterson and Neil Brown if I remember correctly, uh, who were the first on the scene. Right. Uh, Wyatt Earp, also very early on scene. And they, they again, did the investigation with the forensic evidence. Witnesses started to come come out uh, um, that, that Kennedy had been spending all night drinking, talking about how he was going to kill uh, Kelly. Everybody knew about the racehorse. And they wanted to know where he was at the time of the shooting. Mm -hmm. But I think the key in the investigation was when they found out that horse was gone. Right. And when uh, the, the guy who had put the horse up in the stables had come out and told them that when the horse was taken out of the stables, uh, that really kind of put a focus on Kennedy. Mm. Uh, plus other uh, evidence that they were gathering during the time. Oh yeah, there was really no doubt. So I guess at this point in time, you have one of the most famous posses. The intrepid posse as they've come to be known. Right, mm -hmm. uh, gathered together. And this is 
how many hours later do they actually saddle up their horses and take off after Kennedy? Not long. Uh, see, this was the, the dark hours of the morning already About when the, the murder had, yeah. had, had happened. Uh, A.M. A.M., that's right, 4 A.M. By sunrise, they're about ready to ride out. And some, some stories uh, talk about how, because of how significant Dora was, what a special person they was, she was, they sent out the big guns on this posse. Well, what, what I think that fails to take into account is the only lawmen that we had in Dodge City at the time were the big guns. Right, right. They were all wearing a badge at the same time. Exactly. So it doesn't matter what posse you sent out in October of 1878, they were going to be the legends of the American West. That's right. You had uh, City Marshal Charlie Bassett, you had Assistant Marshal Wyatt Earp, you had County Sheriff Bat Masterson, you had Bill Tillman, you had uh, William Duffy, Neil Brown. These, uh, these are the guys. Right. And so they actually tracked him down. They did. Uh, and they, they rode out after him. They kind of figured out what, wh where he would he would ride, mm -hmm. and 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 tracked him down. And there was an altercation when they caught up with him. And what happened there? Well, they they saw him, and it was kind of a stroke of luck that they caught up with him because uh, they lost his trail for a time. There was a, a serious rainstorm that happened that day. Uh, just about wiped out the trail. It kind of rainstormed that only the Great Plains mm -hmm. uh, can have. Right. Out of nowhere, destructive, comes in sheets and wipes out everything. They, they uh, Kennedy was, excuse me, trying to mislead them. He took off kind of at an angle and then backtrack. 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 Whereas our intrepid posse was smart enough to realize that. Eventually, this is where he was going to wind up, and they just made a beeline straight for him. Uh, they were up on a rise, they saw him down at a distance. Uh, Bat Masterson took a shot at him and knocked him off his horse, shot him through the shoulder. Right. Knocked him off his horse, uh, which allowed them to go catch up with him. And, and I love the dialogue that takes place. Yeah, it's really him. important to what the trial and everything else after that. Absolutely. Uh, and what Kennedy says to Bat and Bat, what Kennedy is, is lying on the ground. His shoulder is just shattered down to his elbow, apparently. And the first thing he asked as Bat Matterson is standing over him, said, basically, did I kill the son of a bitch? And when, uh, what Bat then informs him that Kelly is alive and well, you killed Dora Hand. Right. And Kennedy is just, he's, he's distraught. He's crestfallen. He's wounded. That's the worst news that he right. could possibly hear on top of being wounded. At least that's what is being said at that time. And he told, yes. he looked up at Bat Masterson and said, you should have killed me. Yeah. You know, why and didn't you why didn't you kill why me? Why didn't you kill me? And Bat looks back down at him lying on the ground and said, I was doing the best I could. <laughs> and Bat was a pretty good shot. He was a fantastic one. So they they take him back. Uh, they bring him back to town. 
And this is the part that a lot of people really get upset about. Mm -hmm. uh, they put him in the jail, they of course give him medical attention, then they take him uh, and they try him. And what happens at the trial? Well, uh, daddy shows up. Yeah. Uh, arrives in town. Uh, they've they've got Kennedy after, of course, he gets out of the doctor and they've got his arm patched up as well as they can. Uh, he's holed up in the Dodge house. I can't remember, we know the room number actually, I can't remember which room it was. Uh, and he's there for safekeeping, largely right. because just about everyone in Dodge wants this man dead. They want him, right. at least they want him gone. Right. And after, I, uh, it was a couple of months later actually where when daddy finally does arrive and there is a closed meeting in Sheriff Masterson's chambers and there are rumors of how much money changed hands. We, we don't know for sure. Um, a couple of different accounts. But what we do know is that young James Spike Kennedy was released on lack of evidence. Right. Yeah. Which, in a sense, is true. But he... Everything that they had was circumstantial. Yeah, except for his testimony. Mm. Why didn't you kill me when you had a chance? He, I didn't know that right. I was shot. And he had, he, he had already said that he had murdered her by those statements. Right, but all you had was that the word of the posse that had gone out. Right, right. So he was he was let free. Mm -hmm. He was let free. Well, that's our story for tonight. Uh, the tragic ending of Dora Hand in the dark day of Dodge City. Uh, if you are interested in uh, reading more about this, you can read Kelly uh, Kelly uh, Lyons' book uh, on Hodora Hand, and also. Uh, Thunder Over the Prairie is another good book. That is that is a wonderful book by uh, Chris Enns and Howard Kassinger. Right, and I think they even tried to make a movie uh, about Thunder Over the, uh, the Prairie. Well, the uh, uh, Howard Kassinger is he's a producer. Actually, he's worked with George Lucas a lot. Right. Uh, Howard actually has the Ark of the Covenant in his house. Okay. Uh, from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, and they had intended to turn that into a movie, but Hollywood politics being what they are, the original script kind of, they lost control of it. And it it wound up becoming the movie Wyatt Earp's Revenge. Right. And I can't say that that's one of the highest rated movies that I've That ever is recommended by absolutely no one. Right. Uh, I, I actually have the highest rated downvotes on Amazon. I, I should add that. I'm, I'm kind well, of proud of that. Yeah, it, it's uh, pretty, it has even come close to telling the story, uh, it, the way it really unfolded. It's a cute movie. Right. Uh, Trace Adkins actually plays uh, Mifflin Kennedy. Right. Uh, the guy who plays Doc Holliday, he's not really playing Doc Holliday, he's playing Val Kilmer playing right. Doc Holliday. It's just, it's a terrible movie. Yeah, and, it's, and even the characters aren't matched it, up. It's about Wyatt Earp tracking down the murder of the woman that he loved. Right. It's, it's just crap, don't watch it. <laughs> All right, well, toast to Dora Hand and Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday. This is the second 
whiskey and westerns that we've done this month. This month? Yeah. Yeah, we're on a roll. Yeah. So, the Fanny Cannon, better known as Dora Hand. Dora Hand. Well, that's it for now. Remember to check out our Wild West Podcast show on iTunes Podcast at wildwestpodcast.buzzsprout.com. If you'd like to view the video portion of our show, you can catch us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash wildwestpodcast or on our new YouTube channel at Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to our podcast. This podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons attribute, non-commercial license. You can learn about more about the legends of Dodge City by visiting our website at worldfamousgunfighters.weebly.com. And one more post to take us down the road. Well, to Cali Lions. Cali Lions. Our guest artist. Best wishes on your book, and, and may you have a long and fruitful writing career. Absolutely. Absolutely.